Ashley. And I'm Laura Zach. And this is Sick or Sadder World. The podcast where we rewatch Daria and relate it to our current world. We are feeling psyched. We're psyched. We are so psyched. There's so much going on with us right now. So much going on with the future of this podcast. There truly is. We are starting more and more to book our live show. We have a couple of confirmed guests, including a musical act, Mindy Jones, who you hear singing the amazing interpretation of our theme song, which you'll hear shortly. Gabby Dunn, who's an incredible writer, actor, producer, activist, who did some of our Quinn the Feminist segments early on in season one. And she'll now be joining us on stage to talk some more about Quinn. And then a couple surprise guests that we are still fleshing out. We are skinning their flesh. We're going to wear them as skin suits. Speaking of skin suits. I was about to say speaking of skin suits. You tell me first. I went to Outfest opening night. Did you go to opening night? I didn't. I didn't go to any of the nights. Oh, okay. I was in fest. (laughs) Oh. Sounds a little too close to a bad word. Um, Invest? <laughs> incest. Which I have a whole story about um, accidentally saying incest instead of incense once to someone who had an issue with incense, incest in their family. It was a whole thing. I Anyway, um, we won't go into that Burn right Burn the incest. Yeah, it was... Mm, this incest smells good. I actually kind of want to tell the story, and then I'm going to go back to the Outfest story. Can I tell the both? Please. I'll keep them quick. The incense incest story is actually very uncomfortable, because I know I've talked about this two episodes in a row now, but my friend who passed away last fall, I went to help pack up her things and plan her funeral, and I was doing so with her brother and her sister-in-law, who she had no relationship with and who... She did not want to be involved, um, but nonetheless were involved in taking care of her affairs. And her other brother had incested her as a child, and it was a known thing in their family and the source of why she and the other brother didn't talk. So I'm with these two people that I've just met. My friend has died. I'm packing up her things, and I come across some incense sticks, and I had been asking them what we should save, what should go to storage, what should be thrown away. And I said, what about this incest? (laughs) And immediately realized what I'd said. And I turned bright red. They turned bright red. And And then you're like, "Mm, sandalwood. (laughs) The sister-in-law goes, Laura, it was the other brother. It was fucking awful. Back to the skinning bodies (laughs) from one topic to the other. Back to the skinning bodies. Um, Outfest opening night was a beautiful film. It was very European slow. It was called God Own- God's Own Country. It was sort of like um, if you took Brokeback Mountain and set it in the, I think it was in Ireland, and made it sheep farmers instead of cowboys. There's one scene where um, one of the men has, has saved a preemie little baby sheep and has kind of like treats it like a pet and another sheep is stillborn and so in order to create a coat for warmth for his little pet lamb he skins the lamb but you don't realize in the narrative that that's what's going to happen so you're kind of forced to watch this very graphic scene of him skinning a dead baby lamb 
And so everyone's like, oh, oh, super uncomfortable in the audience. But then he takes the lamb coat and like cuts out two little armholes and affixes it around the living baby lamb. And that it's the only time that I've ever seen like that quick of a change in an audience where it's like, oh, my God, he's skinning this. Oh, oh look, it's a little coat. It's not gross. <laughs> it's cute. It's a little coat. And then the fucked up thing is that the after party that Outfest threw. They gave away free lambskin coats. The food was lamb chops. That's just tacky. I don't think that was purposeful, but it was, it was, yeah, rich. The lamb chops were rich? <laughs> no, I didn't eat them. I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> That's fucked up. Incest and lambskins. What was your uh, skin body story? I went to the Los Angeles National Forest yesterday, and it was day one period, and I had to change the old tea, and they had a few little huts for bathrooms, and I was like, oh, this is a beautiful park. I'm sure this is going to be fine, and it was just a hole in the ground. It was like a cacophony of flies and bees swarming around. And I thought that I was just going to get mauled by a bear who would just be like, I smell. Tasty morsel. Yeah, it was more about like my skin being ripped off by a bear than it was about. Um, yours was much more skin suit centric. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mine was more just the fear of walking through the forest with the old tampon in. Yeah, the, the fear is real. I don't know if, the, if anyone has ever actually been mauled by a bear in that state, but I definitely know that most women who have any experience with the outdoors grow up with that fear. Like that, that, that is told. That is part of the kind of mythology of being a period having person. Yeah. Is that you shouldn't period really lore. go camping. <laughs> or swim with sharks. Right. But I'm not sure if either of those actually are true. I could see the, the, the sharks. I don't know. But um, when you're submerged in water, generally, that actually makes you stop bleeding for a while. Right. It's not like an open wound profusely bleeding. Yeah. Right. In case anyone wasn't sure of the mechanics. <laughs> but I do want to just say real quick, I, I know it sounded like before I was cheerfully talking about incest, and it's just that I had a Red Bull, and so I have a lot of energy, and I was just meaning to say something factually. I wasn't meaning to be flippant about a topic or a type of abuse. Did I come across that way? No, Red okay. Bull gave you wings. Honesty. La 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 This is my style Got to get up Or I might fall Excuse me Episode 8, titled Gifted. This is actually one of my favorite episodes. Mine too. It is excellent. And one thing I love is how much airtime Jody is getting these past few episodes. Mm-hmm. 
The episode starts with Miss Barch making Mac right on the chalkboard. Very a la opening scenes of The Simpsons where Bart has to write on the chalkboard. Uh, Mac has to write, boys are the scourge of the earth. And so uh, this is interrupted by the principal, Miss Lee, who announces that a gifted school called Grove Hills has invited two Lawndale students uh, to their school to possibly be recruited to switch. Though it's upon thinking about it a little more, that is technically taking away two students from their school who she would probably see as money bags and being taken to a different school, which is interesting because Miss Lee is always uh, influenced by money. Makes you wonder if there's some back deal where if they refer right. X number of students, they get a certain amount of money a pop or maybe it's a secret deal on the side. Totally. She gets it in her pocket. Exactly. And so when Daria tells, when she tells Helen, Helen is very proud of her and she says something to the effect of, the friends you make there can really launch your career. Showing that Helen is kind of just 24-7 career lady. And also, Helen, Jake, and Daria decide that they are going to visit the school and Quinn is angry that she would have to go and then when they tell her that she actually can't go, then she's angry that she can't go. And uh, they've arranged for her to sleep over at Sandy's house. And the way they arrange to do so is Helen calls Sandy's mom, whose name is Linda. And Linda is very much Sandy's mother. It sounds like the same voice actor plays her voice. And she's another Sheryl Sandberg type who's kind of like matching Helen. But we notice that Helen seems a little bit intimidated by Linda. Yeah, well, I, I think that they have actually the same exact passive-aggressive dynamic as Sandy and Quinn do. I agree, but I think Quinn actually has the upper hand more. I think Helen that, or Quinn? I think Quinn versus Sandy, actually, the, the only thing that makes her subservient is that she's a newer student and I think maybe a year younger or something. But you can tell that Quinn is going to become alpha at some point, like, and Sandy's on the slow, slowly on her demise out of leadership. Like we saw that in the paintball episode. But with Linda and Helen, the moms, Linda makes some comment about always being so desirable to boys when she was younger. And Helen says something about like, me too, or I, I, am, I also in my own time was quite a catch. And then Linda doesn't respond. And Helen's like, did you hear what I said about <laughs> when I was younger? Yeah. So uh, Quinn stays at Sandy's and already they're just so very mean to each other. Sandy insinuates that Quinn's fashion is out of style because it's shown on the tv it possibly it has to be a rerun but then sandy's younger brothers come into the room and instantly they want to dote on quinn they love her they want to get her soda etc etc and so sandy points to the door and kicks old quinny out and there was a little like guitar riff that came on yeah. when the door and a tumbleweed. opened yeah and it sounded like that may have been the original 90s music they used because they've We've talked about this on the show before, but in the original show, one of the things that made it so great when it actually aired on MTV is that they simultaneously played songs throughout the episodes that were hits at the time, um, which is really sad to have lost that aspect of the show due to copyright issues. But it didn't it feel like that little like rift? It, ding, ding. Yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah. It was very 90s. Mm -hmm. I would have to agree. Public domain 90s. Uh, 
Helen, Jake, and Daria are in the car on the way to Grove Hills, and Jody has carpooled with them. Helen, I think, is trying to make a really good impression on Jody. Jody is very much like the Val Victorian of their class. And Helen even tries to relate with Jody um, about how Odaria once worked with Kevin on a project. Do you know Kevin? And all yeah, and Jody's like, Oh yeah, he's great. But then Helen seems to suggest that she wishes Daria still hung out with him. Which goes to show that while Helen picks up on a lot there's a lot she misses. Like the fact that she sees Kevin at all of a worthy companion of her daughter is a little strange. Well, I think I think we get the the hint from Helen that Helen cares very much about social hierarchy. And so even the fact that she wants Daria to go to this school, not because it's a great opportunity to be intellectually challenged, but more as like a networking thing, I think she views Kevin as though He's popular and he's a football player. Therefore, he can somehow reward Daria with some sort of networking access. Right. She's basically, she's a networker. She she definitely has a LinkedIn. Is it bad that I don't have one? I just absolutely refuse to get a LinkedIn. I got one last year for the first time and I have never used it for something helpful. I just, I've never used it for anything unhelpful. Like literally, I, I made my profile connected with the suggested contacts and once in a while it'll send me an email about jobs that match my interest but the jobs are all like if you're applying through LinkedIn it's like the most generic way to apply whereas I feel like the top 10 people who are considered for any job especially in the corporate world which not that I'm going for those jobs but I think most people who use LinkedIn are going for corporate and I feel like the top 10 finalists are usually at least, I would say, 8 out of 10 would be from personal recommendations. So the likelihood, I don't know, if any of you have a positive experience on LinkedIn, would love to hear it. And even not like professional, like I think it, it's always fun when people use websites or apps like that in ways that they aren't intended for successfully, like a love match on LinkedIn. Has that ever happened? I'm sure. I've got, I, I've definitely received like strange connection requests from people on there but yeah there's some guy named spyro he keeps trying to link uh connect with me on linkedin and i just i don't have a linkedin so he just has your email then that's right how does he have your email i don't fucking know spyro i feel like let's stop talking about him i don't want to give him a platform yeah this is a spiralist platform so they get to grove hills which is the i guess the the gifted school the private school Jody and Daria meet some kids that already go to the school. They they already go to the school. Yeah, that was my understanding. They were current students. And they try to appeal to Daria and Jody by basically telling them that the school is great because nobody's dumb. So you can have these deep intellectual conversations that you want to have and people don't look at you like you're nuts. Did you notice that they all seemed a little bit like extra pale? Like the color that they used in coloring them was like, none of them looked very healthy. Yeah, perhaps they stay in a lot. Yeah. I could see that. Mm -hmm. Some sort of vitamin deficiency. The recruiter is asking people what they want to do and Jody raises her hand and she says that she wants to have a consulting firm for minority startups. And instantly she reminded me of Angelica. Same, trans tech social. Yeah. Yeah, Angelica Ross is the CEO of a tech company where they where they train trans individuals in tech skills so that they can be placed in jobs. I thought of the same. 
I wrote Jody is Angelica, which is also interesting because now Angelica plays the voice of the mayor on Danger and Eggs. So Angelica is a badass car- cartoon character now. Hell yeah. So Helen and Jake are now meeting Jody's parents, Andrew and Michelle. Jake and Andrew start to connect a little bit because Andrew is this very successful businessman and I think Jake probably looks up to him. Whereas Michelle and Helen get a little bit off to a rough start because Helen is more or less saying these microaggressions that she believes are a way to connect them or a way for Helen to be like, see, I'm, I understand what I'm saying. But in actuality, Michelle, Jody's mother, is like, why are you assuming these things about me? Also, the parents are pretty, they seem pretty um, like strict and conservative, like maybe even more so than Helen and Jake would be. Helen says that she wishes that Daria was as popular as Jody, and she says some sort of comment about how if Jody can make all these friends, like why shouldn't Daria be able to? And oh, Michelle's right, like, right. "What it do you mean by that?" Is like, yeah, if she can do it, Daria certainly should be able to do it. And she tries to backpedal and, without like explicitly talking about race, says something about like oh, you know how some people unfortunately still don't accept difference in others. And like, rather than just kind of blatantly own that she was saying like, oh, if the black girl can be popular, why can't my nerdy antisocial white girl be popular? Meanwhile, Quinn is now at her second sleepover with Tiffany. And Tiffany is asking her specifics about pictures of her. It's basically just a collage of pictures of Tiffany and then an entire montage of Tiffany trying on new things and asking, does this make me look fat? I did have a roommate like that once. I had a babysitter like that. I I mean, I loved this person and she's still my friend, but she definitely, I think it was sort of like built in as one of the perks of having a roommate for her was like being a human mirror and it was not just do I look fat or does my butt look big but it was like will I be cold that was that was the that was the popular question oh oh I had a babysitter who every time she watched something with my sister and I and mind you I was probably seven years old and on one occasion we watched the craft and Sherry asked am I fatter than those girls Oh, and no. even at the age of seven, I was like, girl. Yeah, no, exactly. I know. On one hand, I wanted to be like, no, don't say that in front of kids. You're fucking them up. But I don't know. I think even at a certain young age, we have a sensibility to like clock someone's insecurity and see when it's not cute. Yeah. But also it's like, did she really want an unfiltered opinion from a seven-year-old? Right. And she may have received that. I feel like a lot of times kids are less filtered. Right. So you could have very easily been like, you know, only in the neck (laughs) or like, no, you're about the same, but your skin is worse, you know? Right. I feel like I definitely I, I went through a, a bad period of um, of acne in my teens around the time when I was doing the most babysitting. And there would definitely be a lot of the kids being like, what's wrong with your face? Or like, what are why are those on your face? Like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know if you find out. Can you let me know, kid? Yeah. But also just in general, having me compare your body to Fruza Bulk just feels odd. Third time is not a charm because she goes to Stacy. Who's single white femaling her. Completely. 
she has this moment where she's telling Quinn that she actually likes her best out of all the friends and that she's her first best friend. And then she emerges from the closet wearing Quinn's exact outfit. And she's colored her hair. She, she actually is holding hair dye because she wants to dye her hair Quinn's color, which I understand that. Quinn has great hair. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful strawberry blonde. But eventually it's just a little too much for Quinn. And so she shows up at Jane's. But meanwhile, we are back at Grove Hills and we meet some more of the kids from the recruiting event. And one guy is just like a total pretentious asshole. Yeah, and Jody is kind of carrying the optimism of she and Daria and encouraging Daria to give these people a chance and not make assumptions about people. And at first, Jody's point seems to be proven correct, but you know, like like seeing the intellectualism and the, the depth of these people. But then almost as quickly, this guy proves Daria's point by emphasizing that his true motivation for going to this school is that he wants to get loaded or he wants to be super rich and like join a country club one day and be flanked by hot women. Right. So it's, it's this juxtaposition between believing that your intelligence is worthy but then also trying to use your intelligence to build up your social hierarchy, which is what you hated in the first place. Right. It's the um, goodness without knowledge is weak and feeble, but knowledge without goodness is dangerous. It's like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Actually, I it's embarrassing where it's really from. I need to know now. Um. I let's pretend I didn't say that. No, I need to know. It's um the like slogan from my prep school. <laughs> Ew, uh, Laura, along with non sibi, which is Latin for not for oneself. Ugh. No, but it's it's that. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were plenty of this David type at my school, like who are clearly just there for the Helen Network social climber purpose. According to my reunions, a lot of them stay that way for life. Never really shake out of that groove. It's just another type of track that is parallel to the track that a lot of the Lawndale students are on, except it's with more books, more pretension, and more money. Also, judging each other on different criteria. Like, you you start to see that this group of people is just as shallow and just as catty, but the things that that they're shallow about are different. Like, they are super judgmental about this one guy that they used to find really interesting and used to be really popular because because he didn't get a certain score on his SATs. Nasty. Mm. Becomes clear to both Jody and Daria that perhaps this is not the school for them. They are kind of used to being the big fish in a small pond, but they're not assholes about it. And so it's proven that this guy who goes to Grove Hills is rubbing them both the wrong way and is even interrupting Jody when she has these really great points. And so Jody delivers this monologue. Just because some jock made you feel like the loser you are, don't take it out on me. I'm not a loser. I have a 165 IQ. Who cares? You're still boring and miserable. Try taking your head out of your butt for once and opening up your myopic little eyes. Or doesn't your 165 IQ make you smart enough to see the way you really are? I'll make sure you never set foot in this school again. That's a relief. 
For a minute there, I thought you were going to threaten us. You realize your negative approach to everything is self-defeating, right? Well, it's nice to know there's someone I can defeat. I mean, you may spare yourself some pain by cutting everyone off. But you miss out on a lot of good stuff, too. Look, Jody, I'm too smart and too sensitive to live in a world like ours at a time like this with a sister like mine. Maybe I do miss out on stuff. But this attitude is what works for me now. Then you'll understand what works for me now. At home, I'm Jody. I can say or do whatever feels right. But at school, I'm the queen of the Negroes, the perfect African-American teen, the role model for all of the other African-American teens at Lawndale. Oops! Where'd they go? Believe me, I'd like to be more like you. One thing that we learn through the monologue that Jody delivers to Daria when they're sitting outside of the school about how hard she has to try to be like the perfect student and because there's an extra magnifying glass on her for being black, it really shows that the different manifestations and how they act is a symptom of Daria's white privilege. Because Jody, I mean, it's it feels like she's expressing that she in some ways doesn't have the luxury of being cynical because to be cynical would or to come across as angry would trap her into a certain trope or like she just feels this pressure from her parents, from other students to be a perfect representative of her entire race, which is an incredibly unfair position to be in. Stay tuned till the end of the episode where I will interview Chantal Rochelle, who created this viral video showing appreciation for the character of Jodie Landon. So please stay tuned to the end of the episode. Chantal is very sweet, intelligent, charming, and I think you're really going to enjoy the interview where we discuss about Jodie. So Quinn has finally found where she will be staying. Which is at Jane's. Yeah, she's forcing herself upon Jane's house. And Jane is painting an abstract portrait of Quinn, who eventually is uh, underneath a guillotine. Yeah, and the abstract kind of like makes her look like she's shrieking. And Mm -hmm. it's while Quinn's laying on Jane's bed and won't stop talking. And then Trent comes in and we know that Quinn hates when men are at all indifferent to her. And Trent will only call her Daria's sister. Oh, yeah. Daria's sister. And it reminded me of um, A League of Their Own when Kit Kit is only known as Dottie's sister. sister. Totally. Recently just saw that at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. and uh... I saw it in the last six months as well. Although um, Rhea Butcher made a really great point in a tweet recently about how it's great to love that movie and be nostalgic about it. But how great would it be if the people who love that movie put equal fervor and attention into women's sports like professional women's sports, yeah. like who like in, you know instead of just like being sentimental about that movie and re-watching it like devoting that same time to going to a WNBA game or like, right it's like yeah. yeah those events like are happening actually and it's kind of in the same realm of like they do need your support and you do need to go to the games and they are constantly struggling to get a fan base. So maybe we should go. I'll go to a WNBA game. I would love to. Let's do it. All right. So Daria and Jody, after they bond, they, one, realize that they kind of would like to be more like each other, but they also decide that they want to stay at Lawndale. And so on their car ride back, Helen and Jake are asking Daria what she'd like to do. And though 
they have already made up their mind that they don't want Daria to go because that actually means a lot more commitment for them. Daria says that she actually would like to stay at Lawndale and they try and act like they're disappointed about it, but obviously they're not. And then Daria also asks them what they thought of the Landons and they both have this very like, oh yeah, they were very good, very good. And then Daria's like, you ticked them off, didn't you? And then we cut to the, the Landon's car and Jody has also decided that she doesn't want to go to Grove Hills. They respect her decision. Then she also is like, what did you think about the Morgendorfers? And Michelle's like, what a couple of head cases. So then Jane walks Quinn over and is just like, please get this person away from me. I actually cannot have her talk anymore. And then we're back in study hall with Miss Barch where she's now making Kevin write on the board. I will write until my hands are numb. And there's this really adorable ending moment where Jody and Daria are sitting next to each other in the classroom and they both take out a book and Jody takes out how to uh, how to win friends and influence how to win o- friends and influence others. That's yeah. right. Uh, showing kind of like her take on life, whereas uh, Daria takes out Heart of Darkness and they both. It's it's this adorable kind of like duality of they both can feel the same way about something, but their their approach to getting through high school is just completely different. But they both smile knowing that someone kind of like gets how they feel. It was really sweet. It was. I thought it was an interesting choice, though. Heart of Darkness, given that it's a story about like deep racism. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that 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 aspect of it was intentional, but it's just so about that that I was just like all right that's what you're gonna read all right but no I I agree it was still like their meeting of minds but with their own interpretation I was actually curious if if because of what Jody said it made Daria want to not research more about racism but possibly get more of an like a cultural understanding of how she can be a better ally and it like maybe I'm reaching too far for Daria and giving her a little more credit, or if she just wanted to read something that was like, what's the opposite of reading something really positive? Like, what's the opposite of that? But it, in some ways, it kind of made me wonder if Daria saw that perhaps she was part of the problem for the way that Jody feels at school, and so she wanted to maybe like show her allyship in some sort of way. I mean, I like where you're going. I feel like it's a stretch for Daria. I feel like Daria still doesn't quite get that she's super entitled. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I think, I think, um, but they, but they do have a mutual respect for one another's approaches. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, maybe she's going to grow in that direction. TBD. I don't remember how much the show visits these topics in the future episodes, but we'll see. And now, the interview with Chantal Rochelle. Well, thank you so much for being with us. As soon as Laura and I saw your video that you made for Cocoa Butter, we were like, oh my God, we need to reach out to her. Oh my gosh, I am flattered. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, So what inspired you to make this ode to Jody? So I worked on this video with an awesome video producer here at BuzzFeed, Brendan Smith. We were talking about iconic Black characters that were pivotal to pop culture. And we realized that there is literally no tribute or acknowledgement of Jodi at all. Which is insane. 
I know it's nuts. If you search Jodi in YouTube, nothing comes up. It's almost as if she never existed. And we did not want her legacy to be forgotten. So we had to remind people. And it just so happens that this year marks the 20 year anniversary of the show's debut. So it was just like perfect timing. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny because Laura and I, when we wanted to rewatch, we were like, Jodi, hands down, is like both of our favorite characters. And that oh, for sure. And we were just so excited to see how how much her words meant even more nowadays you know because you're Mm -hmm. you're young when you watch it and you don't really understand what she's saying and now you're like oh my god this is momentous completely especially in today's day and age like she's like she foreshadowed everything completely um so at that point when you well let's get into this first when did you first start watching daria what was your experience with kind of like your first time so I was actually a young child when Daria came out, <laughs> but as I got older, I was introduced to it in, in, in college, and so I think that was perfect time for me. I'm actually happy I wasn't introduced to it in high school. I think college more so really helped round out what that show meant for me, especially mm-hmm. because there was more similarities to what I they were experiencing on the show and that paralleled to what I was going through in college. So I saw a lot of the same you know, things that were happening in college. So I'm happy I was introduced to it at that time. Um, had At that point, had you seen a character like Jody and anything else that you'd been watching? I hadn't. I mean, I feel like at up until that point, the only person I'd seen at that time in the 90s, I feel it were had similarities to Jodi. I felt like Ashley Banks from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm-hmm. Um, she had similarities to Jodi in the sense that they both navigated their environments with the pressures of the world at their feet. Um, Jodi and Ashley's characters both had extreme pressures from their family, their schools, and society as a whole, and all while trying to fit in. I feel like they found themselves dreaming of a future beyond high school and the possibilities that were out there. So I feel like they were both constantly claiming ownership of their voice and resisted whenever people would try to take that from them. And I feel like I had not seen that since. And I feel like Ashley Banks is probably the most like quality character like as Jody up to that point. And so since our podcast includes a lot of anecdotal stuff, um, I guess what was your high school or college experience that that perhaps maybe had similar threads or what was or, or just anything in particular that you'd like to share with our listeners who would love to know? Yeah, so not to be a downer, but high school wasn't fun for me at all. I often suppress that time from my mind, to be honest. But Mm -hmm. I honestly feel like the writers were foreshadowing my high school experience with Daria because Homegirl and I had such similarities. I actually had more parallel experiences to Daria than I did with Jodi. I went to three different high schools, so I know the struggle can be real, adjusting to a new school, a new environment, and basically having to reintroduce yourself over and over again. You Mm -hmm. become drained, and you just want to be. And so I understand Daria, and I still, to this day, feel her on a deep personal level. So in that sense, I see similar threads, and I see that, I mean, even today, navigating the world, like, I see Daria in me more so than Jodi, because Jodi had so much high hopes from people expecting the best I'm I'm going into a dark like what do you want from me like what are you doing like what's <laughs> what's going on here like what can I give you and so I, I know that's kind of like a pessimistic attitude to have but I feel like we all need a touch of Daria in our lives and I feel like that type of quality keeps me grounded oh totally so uh have you watched the episode monster in a while yes I have watched monster and I actually re-upped it I mean it's like every few months I'll do a refresher just Beautiful. to like could do the parallels of how Daria still is like irrelevant. Yes. Uh, so in that episode, which 
is two episodes ago, Daria's mom, Helen, she remarks that Daria has this very rigid set of standards for people. And on the podcast, on the podcast, we actually talked about how that's very true. And now Helen was actually hitting on something that we maybe couldn't find the words for before. But it mm-hmm. seems like Jody might be one of the only people who passed these set of standards for her. I mean, along with Trent, because she, you know, is enamored with him and sometimes Jane, but not always. And so I'm wondering, why do you think that is that Jody seems to maybe be one of the only people that passes her set of standards? Yeah. So one thing I found it very interesting that Daria's mom told her that because I feel like Daria learned those traits from her mother herself. (laughs) I mean, growing up in a household where you're constantly being critiqued. I mean, when we see the Morgendorfers at the dinner table, Helen is almost always critiquing Quinn and Daria in some capacity. So to me, these are traits that Daria picked up from her mom to begin with. Mm -hmm. But with Joey, with Jody, sorry. I think she gets a Joey. Oh my gosh, sorry. Jody. Dawson's my Creek. Bad. I know, right? Jody is coming back like, girl, what are you saying? But anyway, yeah. with Jody, I think she gets a pass with Daria because Daria's best self comes out when she's around Jody. I feel mm. like Jody holds Daria accountable. And because Daria has the utmost respect for Jody, she listens. They may not always agree 100% of the time, but they are able to have that dialogue openly and freely without hesitation. And I think it's mutual on both ends between Jody and Daria. I truly think they bring out the best in one another. And Daria knows not to step to Jody. I mean, I'm afraid to step to Jody and she's a <laughs> character. Like, I, I mean, I would not cross her. And so I feel like in that regard, she just has respect for her. And I see why Jody holds herself to her own high regard. And mm-hmm. so I think that's something to kind of want to live up to. And I think that she learns from her as does Jody with Daria. And so it's also an interesting dynamic to see between the two of them because in everyday normal high school setting, would you imagine these two characters or people to have this type of dynamic? I wouldn't, I didn't see that in my high school experiences. So it was really refreshing to see these two different characters bond in this way. Oh, completely. It was the the scene where they're on the bench together and even when they're the scene, when they're in the back of the car together and Helen is trying to get more and more out of Jody and Jody's kind of giving her asides to Daria. It, mm-hmm. it, it does show that they kind of have this like coded language with each other where they're the only ones that can really uh, pick up on each other's like intellectual, sarcastic, witty banter. And that it kind totally. of just like goes over everyone else's heads. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. Catching those like subliminals and their messages. Yeah. Um, and so on that same note, since they are, quite similar, which is pointed out in this episode. Um, Aside from being the top two performers in their grade, they're also the most perceptive and righteous characters, yet obviously their attitudes and the way that they present themselves to the world uh, are very different, as we've seen even in just the books they read. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was, I I mean, the monologue I'm going to record for the podcast listeners so that they can hear it again. But I mean, what were your thoughts on Jody's monologue at the end when they're sitting on the bench and it's just like you're seeing this other side of why this person feels like they have to act this way? I guess. I get, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So listening to Jody's monologue was honestly like reading a page out of my own journal. I've been in that moment. I've been in that space, that space of uncertainty and having that weight of the world on your shoulders, trying so hard to please everyone else that you forget about yourself in the process. 
I'm happy she spoke those words and that Daria was there to listen. She was able to freely talk about her struggles as a black girl in a predominantly white school. And I feel that she was in a safe space to do so. And I'm so happy that Daria was there for that moment because it just showed the dynamic of their friendship and that to feel that trusting of your white peer and that you're so comfortable talking about your blackness, talking about the struggles that you go through navigating that this world. I thought it was monumental and it was great and it was very necessary. So I thought her monologue was so needed and it was refreshing to see. Yeah. And, and in it, they both also say that they both wish that they could kind of be more like each other in moments, mm-hmm. but, but do you think in a realistic way that it'd be possible for them to adopt traits from each other? Like what would that look like? I definitely think so. They both view the world with similar yet different lenses. For Jodi, I feel like her blackness takes a front seat as she navigates through the world, and she knows that she is held to a different standard than Daria and her other white peers. She knows she has to work harder than her counterparts simply because of preconceived notions and societal pressures. As we witnessed with the dynamic between Daria's mom and Jodi's mom, that Daria's oh mom my God. already had preconceived notions of the Landons. I mean, yeah. Daria's mom being curious on how Jodi could be popular and not Daria blew my mind. And yeah. questioning Jodi's mom on her choices as a woman, like saying like she gave birth to her son and chose her son over her career, like how awesome of a decision. And honestly, Daria's mom honestly would never have been able to meet my mom because that would not have gone so well. <laughs> like. I don't know who would have been given a a drive back home, but it would not have been Daria. So that was such an interesting dynamic. But I think they do adopt traits from each other and they bring out the best in one another. I feel like when Jodi became more of a pivotal, you know, friend and and role in Daria's life, we saw her kind of, you know, seeing oh, Trent and like the way that she was talking to people and the way that she, you know, gave people a chance, but then went back to her ways like, oh, no, I don't like them. So I think we see moments within their friendship that Daria listens and wants to take heed to some of Jodi's you know, advice and picks up her traits as we see in Jodi when she has moments where she snaps back and she's like, you know what? No, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to stand firmly in my beliefs. So I think they feed off of each other in that sense. Yeah. And um, it seems like Jodi, even after their talk, it seems like she tries to test out um, Daria's more straightforwardness in, in being a little cruel when yeah. she tells Brittany to rent a brain, which was the best. <laughs> oh, iconic. Honestly, print it on a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> why? So one of the largest questions for me throughout this whole series is wondering why Jody is friends with Brittany. You know what? If Jody was a real life person, I'd ask her to ask the same thing because yeah. I need to know. <laughs> but I actually think that Jody's intrigued by her. I think Brittany gets away with a lot of things because of her whiteness that Jody would never be able to. Brittany says some of the most obscene things. I mean, the way she talks to Kevin. I mean, imagine um, Jody speaking to Mac the way that Brittany speaks to Kevin. Like, imagine that dynamic and her braiding him and like putting, whipping him into shape and basically um, telling him how to act. I don't think that Jody would be able to get away with those similar things and traits that Brittany possesses. And Brittany is basically popular for. You know what? I don't know. And so I think uh, that with that happening, I think that Jody is just basically intrigued with her. I think that's where it comes to. And she basically likes to, you know, see what, you know, how how can I study this person and see how she got to where she is? And just basically it's just, I think she's just, it's just an infatuation. I feel, I honestly do, would, don't know why she's yeah. friends with her, but I think it might just be that honestly like what is it with this person I want to find out more I'm intrigued by her so I want to hang around with her see how she is this way 
it it does feel somewhat like a social experiment. Yeah, to, totally. To yeah, perfect word. It is a social experiment. Perfect. Yeah, perfect explanation. It's like she's seeing like okay, like and the way that they talk, she talks to her. I mean, look at her saying rent a brain. Like, do you talk to your friend like that? I oh think it's God. just a, a sense of her kind of gauging her response and engaging also if Brittany will step to her the way that she steps to other people and the way that she talks to them. Right. I, and so I think that's an interesting dynamic in itself. Um, so what other characters in pop culture, as you said, from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or just like real life people who exist in the world that give you the same vibes that Jody does or, you know, presents themselves to the world this way that we should absolutely also be fans of? Well, besides Ashley Banks from The Fresh Prince, I'd mm. say Issa Rae. Issa Rae, her web series Awkward Black Girl rang through my soul. I felt it so deeply. That web series came out when I was in college and I felt that the essence of Jody was flowing through her, not so much in the sense of awkwardness, but more so trying to find her place within the world and really immersing herself in different things. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're coming from two different social classes and two different, you know, Jody is in high school and um, Issa's, Issa's character is basically navigating life, you know, post-college. And so I think the similarities come down to just basically finding your voice and founding yourself amongst this crazy world I'm a huge fan of Issa so I think that what she's doing now is very awesome and she's someone I've been following for several years and so I think like in pop culture she's someone to keep your eye out on she's creating diverse characters she's creating dynamic characters and she is a huge fan of Daria as well and so I it it was refreshing to see Uh, she actually shared this video which blew my mind I have to say this because I like freaked out yeah. i love you isa if you ever listen to this but yeah so it's really cool to um see like 20 years later these similar characteristics and you know iconic characters like jody like implementing people like Issa ray and i think it's really cool I, I i wish there was a cartoon that i can point to or an animated character that can say i see you know nuances of the jody i see jody jody's cadence in this person i wish there was more of that i i, I can't you know the fact fact that I just can't say this cartoon you know this anime character character in 2017 kind of disappoints me but I do have hope that we can you know bring that to light again because mm-hmm. I feel like Jody was ahead of her time and Jody you know laid the groundwork and I feel like that since we it's been this long since we you know have replicated that it's kind of you know something that we have a job and an opportunity to fill and so I'm looking forward to like the more works and like creations that we see in the you know months and years to come. Absolutely. And I also heard that the woman who voiced uh, Jody was her name. Is her name Jessica Jackson? Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that she reached out as well. Yeah. She's like an icon. Actually, Mac McKenzie did. He was in the comments. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, was in the, he was in the comments section and people freaked out. And he was like, hey, Mac McKenzie here. And it was like a swarm of people. And he was, it was just, it was blowing my mind. And so just like seeing the character cast. And like the creators and people like responding to this video and like talking about the how necessary Daria was and how vital and necessary it still is today. Like I'm like my mind is blown. And the fact that they're still they're young. Like Mac McKenzie, the actor, he's I think he's like not even forty yet. And so yeah. I'm just, like, these people were these people were babies when they were doing these shows. So it's like awesome that there's there's still a chance and there's still opportunity for them to possibly recreate if they hear this. Hello, maybe the <laughs> opportunity for it to be redone is basically just a revamp, or you know, redoing the show or re you know introducing hey a Jody you know only you know 
plot. And so I think that would be um, pretty awesome if that were to come back to life. But oh my god, yeah. Jody just had her own spinoff of being like a thirty, like an early thirties person. Could you living- oh my god, it would be. Oh my amazing. gosh, let's speak it to life. Let's yeah. speak it, like Jody, wherever you are in virtual cartoon world we miss you sis please come back i will start an indiegogo immediately Thank you. <laughs> after I'll, I'll, do, I'll do both on me okay yeah. i'll send the link <laughs> perfect <laughs> so what are you watching slash reading right now that you're very into and that you would love us all to get into as well watching on tv kind of embarrassed but not embarrassed to say this i'm an og housewife fan <laughs> i love housewives i'm sorry not sorry i love it I, you, you listen i have to watch my girls um it doesn't matter what sh- franchise i'm watching um besides that off the pop culture tip i'm reading um gabrielle Sidibe's recent release this is just my face try not to stare mm-hmm. and oh my gosh she is hilarious i haven't laughed that hard reading a book since reading Issa Rae's opera black girl novel that she was released a few years ago gabby touches on her upbringing growing up as a black girl and just her everyday life experiences her struggles and insecurities now she's living her dreams i mean she's currently on empire she started had her breakout role in precious and it's really funny and it's just like really refreshing novel to see especially in the shitty world oh god I mean, yeah i pick up my i pick up that book and i just like know that i'm gonna get a good laugh i'm gonna you know really resonate with it and so She's a friend in my head, and so it's, like, really, really great read. I think she was just on Janet Mock's podcast, right? Yes, she was. I I'm literally follow her. Yes, Janet Mock has an amazing podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, super cool. I can also add this into the description and whatnot, but is there anything else that we can promote for you and where more people can see what you do? Um, If you want to see more awesome content, like the Daria video, please follow the Cocoa Butter Facebook channel. I'm really working hard to create content for people who want to see more of themselves represented, more of their more nostalgic, iconic, you know, content. And so please, please tune into Cocoa Butter on Facebook. And you can follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tall um, C-H-A-N-T-A-L-R-O-C-H-E-L-E. I have to spell it out because literally someone searched my name and said Chantel. I, was like, I don't know how you got here, sir, but welcome. And so I have to spell it out now. But yeah, that's how, that's where you can find me. Wow. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sick or Sadder World. This episode, I mean, our episode was very, we hit some sick and sad topics. This was very much a not, um, a non-falsely advertised Mm-hmm. We hope we uh, brightened your day <laughs> and uh, that you'll follow along with us. Yeah, if you'd like to follow along with us, we're on Twitter at Sick or Sadder. We have a website where you can learn more about us and the show, sickersadderworld.com. You can also support us if you feel so inclined on Patreon. And in a short couple of weeks, we'll be having a live event, so check out our Twitter and bumpers page for info on that august 22nd in los angeles